the Lord had other plans. I ended up there six months in revival and did 113 meetings. And uh, on television across Scandinavia and Europe, uh, I think around 33 nations of the world was watching. I mean, people all the way down to Greece was being touched. Uh, ministries were being, you know, refreshed, set on fire. Just really amazing things were happening. And uh, people were, you know, receiving healings, tumors disappearing off of people's necks watching. Just unbelievable things. And I'm not here to brag to you tonight, but I just want to give you a little, you know, recap. Uh, I've been in ministry over seven years now. And I started at a young age, 24 years old. I grew up around the ministry. Grew up in an old Pentecostal church. Uh, had an encounter with the Lord at the uh, age of six. Gave my heart to the Lord at the age of five. Age of six. It was filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And uh, had a special encounter. Lord impact my life tremendously. Preached my first message when I was eight years old. Now I've been in about eight to ten countries of the world. And, uh, in, you know, we do about 300 meetings a year. And uh, since oh, 2008 till now, we've done about 300 meetings a year. We have a, an average of about 68 to or 87 to, you know, 100,000 people in the meetings every year. And then, of course, on television, we've been on CTN. Some of you might have seen us on CTN. I was on there last September. We were on Praise the Lord program, uh, TBN. We've been on God TV uh, all TV in Africa, everywhere. And um, people have been surprised, you know, because really the way we started, we just, the Lord told me to go and I just went. I didn't have a door open. Most of the nations I go to, I've never had anybody call me and invite me. The Lord just said go and I went and then suddenly God showed up and pastors met me supernaturally open doors, and then the rest is history. And uh, every country we went to, God, revival has broke out. God has done the miraculous. Uh, South Africa had no invitation showed up. Supposed to be there two weeks. First time ended up there two months. Just supernaturally ended up on TV in Africa. Not only did we preach in churches, we got to preach in the local schools. We've seen over 4,000 Muslim children receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It's phenomenal things. And um, just, and I could tell you testimony, 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 supernatural things happening, people, you know, paralyzed, receiving uh, from the neck down, being totally radically changed. And uh, my ministry, you know, when I first started out, I, I, I kind of laugh at this, I make a joke. I said, I don't know who would want to listen to me three years ago. It was just, to me, it was terrible. But, you know, but over the, over the period of seven years, I've watched how the Lord has even matured me and grown me and just what He's done in my life and how I've progressed in so many ways. And how many of you know we're always going to progress because we never graduate the school of the Spirit? It, it doesn't matter how old we are. And, uh, you know, it's funny because most people, especially if I don't have a beard on, you'll think I'm 12 years old. And, um, I would walk into buildings and most people thought I was the pastor's son. And then when they found out, I had one lady in South Africa, she found out I was preaching. She said, what is this chicken going to teach us? Boy, did the Lord have an enlightening for her. She got carried out of the building that night and could not drive home. Because God had totally radically touched her life in an amazing way. And I love when I see her in the meetings in South Africa, I love her to bring her up and to share that story because, you know, she just totally had this, this idea that I could not tell her anything. And, uh, being young, you face that challenge around the world. People kind of like, who are you? You know, are you the pastor's son? No. I, matter of fact, I have pastored a year and a half. I've pastored and I've helped plant churches and, uh, and I have an international ministry. And they're, oh, 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 oh. And then they hear, you know, what the Lord's put on my heart. And then their whole, you know, perception is changed about me. 
And uh, so I believe tonight, though, I know you're not like that, and I know I'm talking to the choir, but I believe the Lord has something special for Wasilla, Alaska. And, um, you know, I asked Pastor Debbie, I said, Pastor Debbie, I would love to go to Alaska. I know, you know, I want I want you to come to Florida, but I want to go to Alaska. And we've wanted to go to Alaska for a very long time. And I said, I just feel, you know, I really want to go to Alaska. I don't know why. I don't know, you know, because we spend most of our time in Europe. I mean, honestly, I've spent a lot of time in Europe. And uh, the Lord's put Europe on our heart. But we just felt, you know, we needed to do something in Alaska. And when I got in contact with her, we had met many years, or not many years ago, I guess about three, four years ago. Forty years ago we met, and uh, it's a jo- it's really an inside joke if you really knew. And uh, we met, you know, a few years ago, and I told her, you know, I wanted about that the Lord had put Norway on my heart. She'd been to Norway a few times, and the same ministry that invited her to Norway invited me, and it was just really awesome. And then we met in Norway, and I was actually. Eight hours away from her when she was in Norway. And uh, I was going to extend the meetings where I was. But I felt the Spirit of the Lord impress on me. No, don't extend the meetings. Drive down. Eight hours drive. Go to her meetings and meet her. So my mother and Jeffrey went before me. And uh, I preached a multiple places packed out. Standing room only. Just... You know, because Norway, we're on television every night. So you can imagine, I mean, many, many people coming to the meetings, many people being touched, because when you're able to reach into the homes of the people at that magnitude, you can pull many people into the meetings. So we shut the meetings down. I went down. The Lord, uh, she was teaching. I'm telling you, she was teaching on giving, and I wanted to take my clothes off and put them in the offering. It was so good. And I thought, my Lord, this is amazing. You know, and I, you know, I'm not bragging, but I'm very good at teaching on giving, too. I'm very, I'm very good. But man, she just hit it every, hit it every way. And I thought, wow, you know, and then I really felt the Lord wanted, you know, us to work together. And she felt the same. And then we connected and we decided to do something in a place called Wachula, Florida. So we went from Wachula, Florida to Wasilla, Alaska. That's something up with W's. So, and, uh, you know, and we're planning on some other things and we're going to see what the Lord has and it's going to be awesome. So that kind of just gives you a background and uh, you can look us up on Facebook, YouTube, BrandonSpiker.org. We're building a new website right now. But check us out. There's stuff if you want to know more about our background and uh, everything like that. Before I continue... With what the Lord's put on my heart tonight, um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna speak about, you know, giving tonight. I believe that everybody here is a mature Christian. I believe you all love the Lord. How many of you love the Lord in here? Hold your hand up again so I can take a, I'm very, I, I, I remember everything I see. So, let me see. Wow, look at this. This is awesome. How many of you know if you love the Lord, you love His works and you want to fund His works? We don't, we don't give because it's the right thing to do. We give because we love Jesus with all our heart. If He never blesses us again, Him just doing what He did at Calvary was enough for us. For us to forever give Him everything we have, everything we are going to have, and everything will be, everything He deserves. Can everybody agree on that here tonight? So, you know, later I'm going to give you an opportunity to sow a seed. But what I want to talk to you now about is very important. And if you could just stay seated for a few minutes. And, you know, I'll give you plenty of time to shout later. Trust me. You'll be able to shout the house down later. But everywhere I've been in the world, I've found people in the church that, would attend or go to church just because it was the right thing to do. Matter of fact, their whole walk with God was based on 
what they have, you know, because it was the right thing to do or what their parents had done, you know, and they wanted to carry on that family tradition. They even paid their tithes. They were good tithers. They taught Sunday school. They, they, you know, sung on the worship team. They were an elder in the church. But when it came to having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, there was no personal relationship. The truth is, and I'm going to break it down to you like this, is that I have met pastors that were in ministry 20, 25 years that had no personal relationship with Jesus Christ and had churches of not hundreds, but thousands of people. And not only did they not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, their wife did not have a relationship, everybody on their board didn't have a relationship, and I gave an altar call, and the elders, the pastors, the senior pastors, the associate pastors, the elders, and their wives were the first ones to run up to the front. And the Lord began to speak to me because it's important for you to understand this even before I preach the word to you tonight. Because unless you have a personal relationship, you will never comprehend the deep things of God. Because God will begin to give you a revelation through that personal relationship. It's like that He takes the blinders off of your eyes. I mean, how many of you know Saul, he knew of God. He knew of Jesus, but he had no personal relationship. Matter of fact, he was against Jesus. But suddenly when he had that encounter, he had that personal relationship. And then when the man of God, Ananias, laid hands on him, the scales was lifted from his eyes. And he began to see things he's never seen before. And he began to tap in dimensions he never tapped in before. And, and you see, what people have to understand is that it's not about carrying on the, the family tradition. It's not about just going to church because all your family has done it in the past. It's not about going to church or paying your tithes just because it's the right thing to do and I want to be a good person and I want everybody to think I'm a good person. It is about having a personal relationship and having a revelation of Jesus Christ on the inside of you. No that He went to Calvary 2,000 years ago and paid the price that no man could ever pay. That price was His precious blood that washes you and I clean from everything. It delivers us from rejection, abandonment, things that we have struggled with our entire life. It it cleanses us and and, and begins to deliver us from that, that moment when we were molested as a child that tortured us our entire life that when we have a personal relationship we walk into a freedom and we can experience and receive things from God that we've never experienced before. Can you say amen? And that's what I want you to understand is is that it's not about just being here tonight. It's about asking yourself, where does your relationship stand with the Lord? It was not the worldly people that nailed Jesus to the cross. It was not the worldly people that drove the nails into the hands and the feet of Jesus. It was the people who put on the priestly garments. The people who were faithful in their giving. The people who who said all the right things and went to the temple daily to pray and, and did everything that the the Torah said to do. Okay, I, you know, and I come from a Jewish background. I, I have I'm my father was a Jew, and and you have to understand is I know all about religion, you know, and I've seen religion even in the church. And I've seen how it's when people thought they were saved, they weren't really saved. They were only polluted with religion. Because what you have to understand is the enemy wants to counterfeit the relationship by showing you religion to make you think you are saved and you're on your way to heaven because you do everything right and you say all the right things. And I even met people who had no personal relationship and they even spoke in tongues. 
Oh, it's quiet in here now. And God began to show me that people in the church, that it was very difficult for them to go outside the four walls and to tell people that God has a great plan for their life when they were not even sure that He has one for their lives. It's very difficult to be a witness and to share your faith with others when you don't even really have faith. You only have religion. And religion doesn't get you into heaven. The only thing that gets you into heaven is realizing that a man named Jesus came, did good on the land. The religious, the ones that sit in church every Sunday, that said all the right things, became angry with him because he began to do the opposite of what they thought was right. So they begin to have hardened hearts and begin to act out of rage and anger and drive nails into the hands and feet of them. Thinking that they have end, put an end to this so-called Messiah, the one who would save the world from its sins. But how many of you know that's not the end of the story? They put him in a tomb. They put him in the heart of the earth. And even Jesus, he spoke it into existence. He said, I I can already tell you what's going to happen. He said, just as Jonah was in the belly of a great fish, so shall the Son of Man be three days and nights in the heart of the earth. They put him in, thinking it was all over. And suddenly... Everything began to shake. Now what you have to understand is that through a personal relationship, we go through a place of crucifixion. Even where he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer me that liveth, but Christ within me that liveth. How many of you know? You go through a place where you're in that relationship with God, where your flesh is being crucified. But how many of you know there's a resurrection around the corner? And that resurrection is that relationship with Jesus Christ. And God desires every believer to have a resurrection moment. It says that you were dead in your sins, but He called you To the marvelous light. Meaning you could not even come to Him unless His Spirit drawed you near to Him. But thank God you're here tonight. That you don't have to spend another day in religion. You don't have to spend another moment worrying about, am I, am I, is my walk with God just religion? Or is it truly a relationship? Do I just do things because it's the right thing to do? Or do I really acknowledge that a man named Jesus came and died on Calvary for me? Not only did He die on Calvary for me, but He rose for me so that I might have life and have it more abundantly. Not only should I have life and life more abundantly, so I could also call a place that I will spend for eternity home. I can go there and lay at the feet of Jesus and know that one day the cares of the world will stop. The sickness of the world will stop. That death will stop. And I will reign in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? And tonight I want to ask you a simple but important question. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your whole walk with God has not been in vain? That it has been out of relationship and not out of religion? Because let me tell you, if your whole, re- if your relationship with God is based out of works of the flesh, because religion says, wow, look at everything we've accomplished, and then it goes and it 
turns into the front and it says, but look how much more we have to go. This is something you cannot buy. This is something you cannot earn. It is something that is only freely given through the blood of Jesus. If you were to die this very second, do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you would spend eternity with Jesus? Do you know that your relationship with Him is not based on works or things of the world or even religion and just going to church on Sunday, but it's based out of a deep love in your heart for Him because He has given you everything. Everything you've ever had, everything you have now, and everything you're going to have. Do you know? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes in this place tonight. And I wanted to get this out of the way because I'm, I got I got a lot to share with you tonight. But I want to I want to pray with you and for you if you fit into these categories tonight. Number one, you're in this place tonight. Maybe you said a prayer one time, you know. But when it came. To really having a personal relationship, you feel that, or you, you, you don't feel like there's any closeness to God. You don't feel that personal connection. You only feel your relationship is through your pastor or through your church. But tonight, you've heard what I've said and you said, you know what? I, I don't want to just get my food. I just don't want to get everything through another person, but I want to get it for myself. I want to know the man that died and gave his life and shed his innocent blood for me at Calvary. I want to know the man personally healed the sick, that cleansed the lepers, that raised the dead, that cast out devils, that turned the water into wine. I'm tired of just hearing about him. I want to have a personal relationship with this man Jesus I want to know who he is I want to make sure even if I have said a prayer even if I've been in church and I'm singing on the worship team I want to make sure tonight I have a personal relationship with him and that if you're in this place tonight I want to pray with you and for you number two you're in this place maybe one time you were on fire for God maybe one time you, your relationship was strong with the Lord but maybe the death of a lost loved one came in or maybe just a, a wrong association knocked the breath out of you and brought you to your knees and your relationship with God your relationship with Jesus is not just where it should be but tonight you've heard this you know that He has an unconditional love that He's reaching His hand down that He's saying get back up fight the good fight of faith I am for you and if I am for you who can be against you? Tonight, you're ready to fall in love with Jesus all over again. You're ready to fall, come back to your first love and to reconnect that relationship to the fullness. He said, I would rather you be hot or cold than lukewarm, for I'll spew you out of my mouth. My friend, someone who spews something out of their mouth does not pick it back up and put it back in. Tonight, you have to make sure that you are from a scale from 1 to 10, 10 being the hottest, that you are a 10 when it comes to your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Tonight's the night to fall in love with Jesus all over again. Number three, you're in this place. The enemy's always lying to you, telling you you're not going to heaven. You've done too many things in your life. You've committed too many sins. I want to tell you this. I want to tell you tonight that you were bought with a price. And that price was innocent blood shed at Calvary that has flowed throughout the ages. You were bought with a price. You are worthy. And He has paid a price no matter what you've done so that you can be with Him forever. And you don't have to listen to the lies anymore. You can make sure tonight that you are on your way to heaven because you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you fit into any one of these three, I want to pray with you and for you. Slip your hand up right now. Slip, I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Slip it up right now. I see that hand. Come on, hands are going up across. I see that hand in the back. I see that hand in the back. Once you put it up, you can put it down. Come on. 
I feel there's another one. I see that hand. I see that hand back there, sir. Anybody? I see that hand. Honey, I see that hand. That's it. Anybody else? Put your hands up. Your heart's beating. You're ready to fall in love with Jesus all over again. Quickly, quickly, quickly right now. Put your hand up. I feel it by the Spirit of Almighty God. There's, there's more in here tonight. Lift your hand right now. See that hand? See that hand? I want everybody to look at me. You didn't lift your hand, but you want to be included in the prayer. I'm going to pray. Put your hand up right now. Put your, I see that hand. I put your, all right. I want everybody who lifted their hands on all invitations to stand to your feet right now. Stand. Stand. Now come to the center. Come. Come now. Come. Come. Come, right here in the middle. Come together. Come, come, come right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, how He loves you and me. He gave His life. What more could He give? Oh, how He I want you to lift your right hand to heaven. I'm going to say a prayer. We're going to say a prayer together. I want you to repeat it out loud with your heart and with your mouth. And then I'm going to have Pastor Daniel say a prayer over you. Because I believe it's important to release the Father's blessing over the children. I want you to repeat this prayer. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you tonight. Humble. Asking you, Lord, to give me a personal relationship with you. I turn my back on the world. I turn my back on sin. I'll follow you, Jesus, until you call me home. Wash me. Cleanse me. Set me free. I believe you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The one who shed his blood at Calvary for me and rose on the third day. I receive you in my heart. I receive a personal relationship by faith. And I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior right now. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for washing me. Thank you for changing me forever. Now lift your hands and give Him praise in this place across the building. Hallelujah. Don't go anywhere. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pastor Daniel, please come. I'm going to pray over you. Come on, lift your hands. Stretch your hands towards them. Holy Spirit, come. Fill, touch, break every chain, break every bondage. Use them to fulfill your purpose in the earth. We bless them now. Every curse broken, your plan coming about. God, we thank you. Fill them with your precious souls. Give them a hunger for the word. A hunger for the things of God. hunger for fellowship. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you could look at me one moment. All of you just look right at me. Just head right down that center aisle. Minister Alex, just wave at us. If you go right down this aisle, just go ahead. If you lead them, praise God. Christine, would you just lead them right back that way? All right, Minister Alex is going to talk to you. You can go ahead. Just go right ahead. They're going to help you. They're going to pray for you. You'll be brought right back in this service in just a few moments. Put your hands together for them. Come on. Leaders, would you please help? Thank you. Hallelujah. How many of you, that's awesome, ain't it? How many of you know that's the most important thing? I think we just emptied half of the room, but that's, that's the most important thing is people knowing. For sure, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that if they were to get in the car and leave this place and something was to happen, 
They know. I have a personal relationship with Jesus and I'm on my way to heaven. Amen. Jeffrey, sing us a song from the keyboard here, would you? Whatever you want to sing. Would y'all give him a hand tonight? Hallelujah. Don't get too quiet. Hallelujah. Don't you already sense the presence of the Lord in this place tonight? Can we lift our hands for just a moment all over this room? Let's just begin to worship. Worship.
lift your hands to heaven. Father, we thank you for your glory in this place. Not one person will walk out the same way tonight. Lord, I thank you that as I release this word tonight, God, that you've given me, pray, Lord, that it goes where no knife can go in the hearts of individuals. I thank you, Lord, that there will be hunger will begin to arise, Lord. I thank you that hope will be restored. The courage will be restored, Lord. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for a mighty outpouring of your Spirit. We lift our hands right now in adoration to your holy name. The name above all names. I thank you that you cast all fear out of our minds. I cast all fear out of minds tonight. And I release the God kind of faith. And I command your physical bodies to receive it. In the name of Jesus. I release the healing of God. And I command your physical bodies to receive it in the name of Jesus. I call those things that are not as though they are. And I speak the blessings. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You're blessed in the city. You're blessed in the field. You're blessed going in and you're blessed going out. I declare the victory of the Lord in your life tonight. If you believe it, give Him a shout of praise in this house. Hallelujah. 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 I want you to remain standing if you would tonight. Open your Bibles with me to 2 Kings chapter 2. I have a custom. It's just my personal thing. I like to stand for the reading of God's Word. I don't know if you are used to Oh, it is? Okay. I just do that. I believe the Bible says that He honors His Word even above His name. How many of you know we need to give reverence to the Word of God? And I believe all is going to stand. Who, who is the Word made flesh? Jesus. So when we stand, we stand in honor of Jesus. And how many of you know everything's going to bow at the name of Jesus? Everything's going to stand at the attention. When, he, when that name is released, even hell comes to attention and stands and waits to be told what to do. And uh, I believe we stand in honor. Second Kings chapter 2. And some of you may know this scripture very well. Hallelujah. If you're ready, say amen. Second Kings chapter 2. Verse 1. Chapter 2 is after chapter 1. Hallelujah. Just in case you didn't know. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by whirlwind. And Elijah went with Elisha to Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elijah, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord that sent me to Bethel. And Elijah said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they too went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord that's... Um, as, stay here, I pray thee, for the Lord that sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they too came to Jericho, and the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha, said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yea, I know it, hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they too went on. And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they too stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and rafted together and smote the waters. And the waters were divided hither and thither, so that they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass that when they had gone over, that Elijah said unto Elijah, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. 
And it came to pass as they still went on and talked, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and a part of them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and ripped them into two pieces. And he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood at the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they were parted hither and thither. And Elisha went over. And when the sons of the prophets which were to view at Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah doeth rest upon Elisha. And they came to, to meet him and bowed themselves down to the ground before him. And they said unto him, Behold now, there be with thy servants fifty strong men. Let us go, we pray thee, and seek thy master. Lest peradventure the Spirit of the Lord has taken him up and cast him upon some mountain or into some valley. And he said, Ye shall not sin. But when they urged him until he was ashamed, he said, Sin. They sent therefore fifty men and sought three days, but found him not. And when they came again to him, for he tarried at Jericho, he said unto them, Did I not say unto you, Go not. Lift your hands to heaven. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Let it go right in the, the core of our hearts. Let us be transformed forever. Lord, I thank you for a mighty, mighty outpouring of your spirit tonight. Jesus, we exalt you high above every circumstance, every problem, every sickness, every iniquity. Lord, let every man be brought low, but let you, Jesus, be lifted high. And we give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. I have to excuse me. My voice has been a little... It's not been normal the last few weeks. I know many people have probably heard this passage of Scripture and have heard this preach, and I myself have heard it preached many times. But um, the Lord, a few years ago, began to show me things in this Scripture that I have really preached around the world and seen revival break out and even extended for months and months at a time, every night and every morning. And just seen a mighty outpouring of God's Spirit. And tonight, I felt in my spirit, because I like to open up meetings. And I know we opened up this morning, but I like to open up meetings with this message. Not only have I seen the results, but I've also experienced in in my own personal life. And the Lord has used this passage of Scripture to push me to the next level and to push me to the place and the destination that He wanted me for that particular season. So tonight, we're going to take another look at this. And I believe the Lord is going to speak to your heart. You know, and, and the, what you have to understand about this scripture is that this is a man who is in pursuit of the anointing. He is going after the anointing. He realizes That the anointing is upon man. How many of you know what the word pursuit means? It means to chase after. It means to go after. It means to move forward. It means don't go back to where you were. Don't stand still. But move forcefully. Move with motivation. Move. Move, 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 move forward. And you will see that Elisha is in pursuit of the anointing. Not only is he in pursuit of the anointing, but he wants to experience the anointing, not just in his life, but in many areas of his life. He is pushing. He is moving. One thing I like what Paul says, he says, I no longer look what is behind me, but I strain forward. I go forward to answer the upward call of God that is upon my life. Many people are good at not looking at what is behind them. They have left Egypt physically, but they are still struggling with the Egypt mentality that restrains them from reaching forward to grabbing a hold of the upward call. 
call of God upon their life and grabbing a hold of the anointing. So God wants us to not only be delivered out of Egypt physically, but He wants to begin to deliver us out of Egypt mentally where we begin to reach for the high calling. We begin to pursue. We begin to push forward. We realize we don't want to go back to where we were, but we don't want to stay where we are right now. We are on a mission and we got to get somewhere and we're not we're not worried about what men think. We're not worried about what other people think. All we know is that God has put a burning desire in our hearts and we've got to get where He has called us because once we step into that place where He has called us, we are going to receive an anointing. We are going to receive an encounter and we are going to receive a transference and an impartation that will begin to destroy the yokes of bondage, not only in our lives, but in the other people's lives, in individuals' lives. Not only in individuals' lives, but in towns, villages, cities, and even states that God will begin to move. Because if one person gets a hold of the anointing, one person grabs a hold of God Almighty, everything is about to change. Everything is about to move. Everything is about to shift. When one person begins to grab a hold of it, the Father begins to shift heaven and earth on their behalf to get the job done that is set before them. Can you say amen? Now you gotta pay attention because I, I go very quickly. I have a lot to cover here. So you have to listen. Can everybody say amen? Now the first thing, now write this down. The first thing I notice about Elijah is that he knows where to find the anointing. He is in pursuit. He knows where to find the anointing. He knows that it is from God, but upon a man. It is visible and tangible in its results. There is an evidence of the anointing upon somebody's life. When somebody has received an impartation, truly grabbed the hold or has a mantle from heaven on them, you can see it on them. Because how many of you know the fruit follows? Every time you see somebody who is mightily used of God, you see that there is always fruit in their life. I'm not talking about fruit loops. I'm talking about real fruit. I'm not talking about someone you would find in the granola bar section in the grocery store with the nuts and flakes. I'm talking about somebody who produces souls and produces uh, disciples. They're, they're not a, you know, a quick fix. Get your laugh on and get out the door and, and just thank God that He loves you and that His grace is sufficient. But they realize that yes, His grace is sufficient, but they realize that they are on a mission. Yes, the blood of Jesus has washed me, but also my job is to allow God to transform my mind and to do a work on the inside of me and on the inside of my character. It is my job to move and to pursue after the anointing and after the Spirit of God that will destroy the yokes of bondage not only in my life but in every area of my life. And so Elisha recognizes the anointing. See, you have to understand how to identify the anointing. The anointing always has fruit. When some, when the Spirit of God, the mantle of the, of the power of God rests on an individual, you will see that everyone around them is blessed. Everything they touch is blessed. Everything they touch prospers. They, it, it seems like they get in a bucket of mud, they come out gold. They just can't help it. Every time somebody's always trying to come and bring them something. Because there's just blessings that begin to chase them and begin to run them down. Not only does it run them down, but when they begin to speak the oracles of God and begin to speak the prophetic words of God and release the sound of heaven out of their spirit, 
Spirit, it begins to change the very atmosphere of the room. That when they walk in the room, Jesus walks in the room. And when Jesus walks in the room, the very atmosphere of the room changes and sickness, death, and disease runs out the back door because the greater is He that is in you, that is in the person, than He that is in what? The world. Can you say amen? I'm preaching better than you're shouting right now. There is an evidence. Elijah sees the evidence upon Elijah. He knows, listen buddy, I want what you got and I'm not willing to let it go till I get what I came for. Now, you, you see, he is in pursuit, but he is determined in his heart. Listen, I see what you got. I want what you got. I'm willing to pay the price. I'm willing to go the extra mile. I'm willing to walk as long as I need to walk. I'm willing to push as long as I need to push. I'm willing to shout as long as I need to shout. I'm willing to lift my hands as long as I need to lift my hands because there's something on your life I need to get on my life because I'm believing God for the impossible. I'm believing for the limits to be taken off. I am believing to walk into the resurrection power of my my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. He wanted this anointing to be double. Enough for him. Enough to know God. Enough to enjoy God. And enough to share with others. And enough to serve God. Can you say amen? The second thing I notice about the story of Elisha is that he will not give up. He will not quit. He is in pursuit of the anointing. And, and you see, I, I grew up around Pentecost, okay? I'm old-fashioned kind of guy. I might be 24, but I grew up Pentecostal. I mean, bobby pins flying, everything shouting, ever, you know. I mean, they were dancing. I mean, that's, if you want to know where I came from, that is what I came from. I mean, we prayed and we didn't get, I mean, we were there until something moved. If it didn't move, it started moving by the time we got done praying. It didn't matter if a person died. I remember growing up in my church. Our lady died in the church. My God, they wouldn't even let the paramedics take her till they resurrected her back from the dead. She came back to life. I'm not even joking. They called her back. I mean, they, they, these are the kind of people, and I noticed that even when I was a little child, that people would get to the place where they would begin to just, I mean, pour themselves out on the altar and say, God, I'm not leaving till I get what I came for. I am not leaving till you do what you said you would do in your word. I am standing upon the rock. I am standing upon your promise, and I am not leaving this house till I get what I came for. How many of you are not leaving until you get what you came for? I mean, come on, serious. If you ain't serious about it, don't put up your hand. If you're serious, you say, I know God's got something for me, and I am not leaving this week. I don't care if i got to stand on my head and clap my feet. I don't care if i got to go to all 13 meetings. I don't care what i got to do, but i got to get what they have. i got to grab a hold of the anointing, and I've got to get a glimpse of heaven. He would not quit. He would not give up. Now listen to this, because this is a very powerful scripture, and probably you've never even looked at it this. Not only will he not give up, but he will not allow the words of the sons of the prophets to discourage him. He, he said, they said, don't you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? And he said, yes, I know it. Hold ye your peace. I don't care what you say. I'm in pursuit of something. It's not about the person. It's about 
about what he has that I want. It's not about what he says. It's not about what he has done. I don't care if he's went and hid in a cave from Jezebel. I'm not about to go hide from Jezebel. I ain't scared. He's got something I want. And not only do I want it, I want a double portion of it. I'm not satisfied with what he just has. I want double what he has. He said, don't you know your master will be taken away from me? He says, yeah, yeah, leave me alone. I'm not going to listen to the negative words. I'm not going to listen to my circumstances. I know I'm tired. I know I've been walking from city to city to city. Let me tell you, I've been in Israel. It's a good walk to walk from one city to another to another city. And it ain't easy when there's a lot of rocks on the way there. And you face some circumstances. Your feet might hurt you. You might go through some problems, you might have some back problems, you might have some leg problems, but but let me tell you, it didn't matter how he felt, he knew he had to get what God had for him, because he was not going by feeling, but he was operating out of the faith because it was not something that could be taught to him it was something that he had to catch by the spirit of the almighty God He said, hold your peace. I don't want to hear it. I don't care what my feelings are saying. I don't care what other people are saying. I don't care what I'm going through in my life. It doesn't matter. They might be ready to come take the house. I might be living. I might be in debt a million dollars. I might be sick every day of my life. But I know once I grab a hold of what God has for me, I I am at my tipping point right now. I I am on the edge of receiving that which God has for me. I'm at my tipping point because when I have my tipping point I'm going to have my turning point and when I have my turning point I'm going to go higher to receive my breakthrough that heaven has for my life can you say amen Today in society, it amazes me how the church, how many people allow the circumstances and allow their feelings, how they feel even physically, to discourage them from pursuing after the anointing, where it even affects their their weekly attendance to the house of God. I I can't do that. I I, I just don't have the strength in me, Pastor. I can't. Oh, I'm preaching now. Oh, I can't. You just don't know what I've been through this week. You don't understand what I've faced in my life. My dog died. My toe got broke. The car ran out of gas. God, I I just can't make it. I can't can't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, everything is going to fight you because he realizes, hell realizes that you are at your tipping point. That you're one step closer. You're at your tipping point. You're about to tip. And when you tip, you're going to turn. And when you turn, you're going to go higher. And you're going to tap in to the vein of heaven. And you're going to begin to receive everything that heaven has for your life. See, what people don't understand about the trap of the enemy is the trap of the enemy is designed to get you discouraged and to get you disappointed and to get you to back down and to get you to quit. Because it doesn't want you to keep pushing. Because of it, it knows that if you keep pushing, God is going to honor what you are doing and then God's going to begin to pour out His Spirit. There's too many people in the body of Christ today that just want to throw in the towel, accept things how they are, live off of welfare, become a food stamp government, and just accept life how it is when God is wanting us to walk and life and life more abundantly. Is there anybody in this house that says, I refuse to live life the way I've been living, but I'm ready to go higher. I'm ready to step forward. I'm ready to grab a hold of heaven for my life. I'm ready. Anybody ready in this building? 
I, I mean, I'm tired of how it used to be. I'm tired of, I mean, I'm, t- I'm tired of the enemy stealing. I'm tired of the enemy robbing. I'm tired of struggling from day to day. I'm not about to back off. I'm about to push even harder. I'm not going to give up. I don't care what the man says. I don't care what the government says. I know my God is able to turn my situation around. I know my God is able to deliver me and to shut the mouths of the lions. He would not quit. He would not be discouraged. He would not be disappointed. He pushed through. He could not be talked out of by his feelings, by his emotions. He could not be talked out of by other people. He pressed in. Everybody say, say, press in. Slap your neighbor, say, press in. It ain't over. Come on, slap somebody. Elijah had been discouraged and went and hid in a cave. But it was not the case with Elisha. He said, I'm not a, I'm about to learn from your mistakes. Meaning I am not going to give in like everybody did before me. Matter of fact, I'm going to get what you had plus more. I'm not backing down. Now listen to this. Elijah says, pray here, I tell you. Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord that sent me. That even the man of God, the prophet of God, tried to talk Elisha out of pursuing the anointing. Whoa. Did you hear that? You, you missed an important key. You're going to mess my preaching up, Debbie. (laughs) Elijah said, listen, Elijah. Stay here. i got to go. He said, no, 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 no. Can I use you for a minute, brother? Come on. Stay here, brother. Stay home. You don't feel good. You, you, you are sick in your body. You're sick in the head. You're sick in the body. You're sick everywhere you turn. You are just a sick person. You can't work. You, you can't eat because you can't work. And, and you just need to live life and, and just take the cards that life has dealt you. Just, 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 just stay here. Just, you, you're gonna be comfortable here. That this, you know, you might, you can sing your three hymns and, you know, you know, and, and, and you know, you just you just take your daily word, read your devotional, just just but just accept, just wait for the by and by, just wait for the by and by, just the 